Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. And we have with us today on our program a good friend, an old friend, although she's not old, but old meaning she's been here several times over the years, Juliana Tamarazzi from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. Welcome, Juliana, to Light of the East. Thank you, Father Tom. Eight years ago when I first met you, uh, I was much, much younger, much younger, <laughs> and I've gotten there already. No, 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 no. You're forever young, Juliana. And so is your work that you do, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit. But let's talk about you for just a little bit. In terms of your faith, you are what we call an Assyrian Catholic Christian, which is one of the Eastern expressions of the Catholic Church, which we talk about here on Light of the East. It sometimes is called the Chaldean Church as well, but that gets a little complicated, doesn't it? It certainly does. Ethnically, I'm an Assyrian, and I was baptized as a Chaldean in the Catholic faith, um, meaning the Eastern Rite Catholics. And there is that tension a little bit within my nation Mm -hmm. between those who call themselves ethnically Chaldean and oh. those who say, those Assyrians who say, no, you're ethnically Assyrian, but by denomination, you are a Chaldean Catholic or you're Catholic. Oh. So, and that's not what we need right now, Father right. Tom, with all the enemy that is attacking us from outside, yes. we cannot afford imploding. Right. And that's oftentimes what happens. We fight among ourselves sometimes. And that, of course, weakens the, you know, the house divided, we cannot stand. But the the Chaldeans, when we refer to Chaldeans, it's largely referring to Christians from Iraq, the region of Iraq, correct? Um, well, not necessarily because we have Chaldeans in Iran as well. Those mm-hmm. Assyrians who, you know, or those who call themselves Chaldean yes. ethnically who are living in uh, Iran as well, mm-hmm. or even those in Syria. But the Cal- ironically, in Lebanon, those who are Catholic, they call themselves Maronite. So that's oh, that's uh-huh. quite interesting. It's basically from what we call the Syriac, the ancient Syriac tradition. Again, very complex as always in the Eastern churches, but <laughs> nonetheless, it is one of the many Eastern expressions of the one same faith. 
But Juliana, in addition to your faith, or out of as an outgrowth of your faith, you are very committed to doing what our faith teaches us, whether East or West, Christianity teaches us, above all, to be charitable, to love thy neighbor, uh, to lay down our lives for other people, to love God and love thy neighbor. And you are certainly doing that through the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. So first of all, tell us about that organization and what you do. I founded it eight years ago on July 22nd. I had met Cardinal Francis George back in July of 2007, and uh, I asked him point blank, what is the Vatican doing for the persecuted church? Because Father Tom back then in 2005 and six and seven, that was the height of the persecution of Christians in Iraq. And um, he called me in a meeting. I met with the Peace and Justice Executive Director, and they said that this is your calling, start this organization that teaches Mm. Americans about your people and their suffering. So ever since then, we have helped hundreds of thousands of Assyrian Christians throughout the region. Last year, since ISIS attacked, in the last four months of last year, 2014, we were able to help 130,000 Assyrian Christians only in northern Iraq. Mm-hmm. This year, the Lord has blessed us to reach out to those in Syria, in Jordan, and in Lebanon. In fact, about a month and a half ago, I just returned uh, from visiting the Christians of Iraq who've been displaced in Jordan. Juliana, were the Christians in Iraq, were they persecuted under Saddam Hussein? They were ethnically persecuted, Mm, meaning mm -hmm. he would, because Ba'athist regime was all about Arabization, and Mm. they wanted to Arabize the Assyrians because, you know, they kept on calling us Iraqi Christian, Iraqi Christian, and they would even, the Ba'athists would even refuse to allow us to name our children the authentic Assyrian names. Mm. That's why you'll see a lot of Christians from Iraq that are named Amir, Mansur, Samir, things like that, Mm -hmm. these names that are Arabic because of Ba'athist regime. But, so the atrocities were there. He would also do is he would bring Arabs and Kurds, place them in the heartland of the Assyrians, Mm -hmm. which is in the northern part of Iraq. And slowly he would squeeze out the Assyrians from these villages. Mm -hmm. So these uh, these were the atrocities that he used to commit. Mm -hmm. But it was what's happening, what's been happening to us in Iraq uh, since 2003 is completely completely different and monumental. Well, you're the Syrian people, you've had a history of persecution, haven't you? You've had a lot of pain in your history. Yes. Uh, prior to us converting to Christianity, we were killed uh, by hundreds of thousands in the hands of the Persian Empire. Mm. And then when we converted to Christianity through St. Thomas and St. Thaddeus, who is St. Jude, really, um, we uh, came under attack every 45 years. And then post-mid-1800s, it escalated to be every 11 and a half years. And now it's constantly ongoing. It's interesting, Juliana, my heritage, the Byzantine Catholic Church, or the Ruthenian jurisdiction, which is of Slavic origins, you know, Central Europe, we were evangelized in the ninth century. We became Christians in the ninth century by missionaries in the Byzantine Empire, St. Cyril Methodius. But as you just mentioned, your heritage goes directly to the apostles themselves, right? St. Thomas and St. Thaddeus actually Indeed. evangelized your people. So yours is a very, very ancient church, and it has a connection with Jonah, doesn't it? Absolutely. I'm a Ninevite, uh, and I've said that all the time, and <laughs> the people who hear it for the first time, the look on their faces is priceless because they don't. nobody really knows that these people that are being killed in northern Iraq and northern Syria, these are Ninevites, the children of the same Ninevite, Ninevites hmm. who who converted to the God of the Hebrew. Yes. And um, so, yes, yes, we are the Ninevites. Now, let's step up now to today. Fast forward a bit. You've been alluding to it. 
We have a phenomenon today that everyone ought to be aware of by now, I'm sure. If not, well, mention it, that there has been this sudden, whether it's, it's been going on, but suddenly there is this huge influx of refugees from particularly Syria entering into Europe. Now, that has to have huge implications for Europe, for civilization itself, and for the church. So give us some background on this. What's, what's going on here, and what are the implications of all this? Father Tom, I'm not politically correct, and okay. I, I don't plan on being that right now. As I always say on the program, I'm not politically correct either. I'm not PC, I'm BC, I'm Byzantine <laughs> Catholic correct, and hopefully biblically correct as well. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. I have lived among these people. Let me preface that. Not all Muslims are terrorists, but mm-hmm. all terrorists nowadays are Muslims. And the, we have to understand Islam to its essence. Then its essence is to, to have world domination. Mm-hmm. It is not only a religion, it's a political movement. Yes. And it's about subjugating Ayatollah Khomeini in 1979 when he took over Iran during the revolution. He said, we will deliver our revolution to four corners of the world. We will subjugate the people mm-hmm. across the world if they don't convert to Islam. To me, this sudden um, influx of refugees to the West, I believe, is a part of a bigger plan. Mm -hmm. I believe that it is accelerating the plan of world domination. Mm -hmm. Uh, These people that flood Europe, each of them already have two, three, four kids. And Mm -hmm. we know, realistically, Muslims have seven, eight kids per family. And we are faced with a decline of birth in Europe. We have been going through that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And the first question that we as critical thinkers in the West have to ask ourselves is, why is it that the Arab world are not taking these yes, people. Yes, it's very curious, very interesting, yes. And when you and I were talking earlier off uh, off the air, you mentioned something about Saudi Arabia. And, mm-hmm. and Saudi Arabia generously has offered Germany to build 200 plus mosques there. Yes. What does that tell us? We really have to stop. Just let's stop thinking about the human tragic aspect of it. Let's think about long-term effects of mm-hmm. this. And this is not going to stop in Europe. The influx is going to come here. We did a study a couple of months ago through data that we gathered from the CIA, from the U.S. Department of State, and also UNHCR. And all these numbers, when we put them together, it shows in 2014, 86% of immigrants that came from Syria were Muslim to America. Mm. Only 6 plus percent were Christians. So this should be a wake-up call. But we've been talking about it, Father Tom, for years, and Mm -hmm. everything falls on deaf ears. Yes, and as I mentioned, Juliana, this, all this has implications that go beyond the immediate. So what are some of the other implications of this phenomenon now, these, this, these refugees? I don't, I'm not saying that all of these Muslims that are flooding the West are terrorists or that want to blow us up in mm-hmm. the West. However, if there is such thing as moderate Muslims or those who don't ascribe to the fundamental, uh, the real Sharia law that exists, we're emptying the Middle East from all those you know, moderates, if mm-hmm. you will. And who's going to be left in there yes. in this new Middle East is just fundamentalists that mm-hmm. are going to wreak havoc. So we're really creating a breeding ground for hardcore uh, Sharia lover uh, ISIS and company. Mm-hmm. And that should be alarming to us. And at the same time, uh, Middle East is, has been hemorrhaging Christians for a long time. In fact, even the recent popes have begged the Christians in the Middle East to try to stay there, you know, try to stay in those holy lands, you know, but you can imagine how difficult that would be for them. Yes, yes, absolutely. 
In fact, a lot of a lot of bishops, like you said, a lot of priests have been begging people not to leave. But when you talk to people, a lot of them say, well, what's left here for us? Yes. But at the same time, they say, this is our homeland. So if you create the correct conditions for uh-huh. us, the correct climate, we mm-hmm. will stay here. There was a doctor in Jordan whom I met, and he said, listen, I'm never going to be a doctor in America. I'm never going to be a doctor here in Jordan. But I could be a doctor again in my country. Mm-hmm. So please defeat ISIS, help us rebuild northern Iraq, because that's our ancestral homeland. And these people have the right to go back home. When we return, we're going to talk more with our special guest and our good old friend, although she's young, Juliana Tamarazzi from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I'm Father Thomas Loya, a Byzantine Catholic priest of the Eparchy of Parma and host of the program Light of the East, heard on Spirit Catholic Radio. Join me in Omaha on Saturday, October 17th at the Spirit Catholic Radio Studios for a morning seminar focusing on the treasures of Eastern Catholicism and how the Church, as Pope St. John Paul II said, can breathe with both lungs. Doors open at 7.30 a.m. with a continental breakfast and the morning will conclude with Divine Liturgy. Tickets are just $5 and are available at Gloria Deo in Omaha, spiritcatholicradio.com, or at the door. That's the Light of the East Seminar, Saturday, October 17th, at the Spirit Catholic Radio Studios, 13326 A Street in Omaha. Come be renewed by the Light of the East. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. And our special guest today is Juliana Tamarazzi from the Iraqi Christian Relief Council. We're talking about the implications of this incredible phenomenon of all these refugees, mostly of Muslim faith, who have streamed into Europe. Now, I want to give a little historical background here at this point. Because this is a phenomenon. Yes, it's a humanitarian disaster on certain levels. On another level, it's something that is very worrisome, as Juliana is explaining to us, implications of it. 
It is interesting that this all started with Hungary, with refugees coming into Hungary. This is where we first heard about this in the news. We heard about the Hungarians closing their border and everybody was up in arms and wondering why were they doing that. And then one by one, we heard of the other countries being involved in Europe with this. It's interesting that Hungary was mentioned first because it was the Austro-Hungarian Empire, actually, that centuries ago, this is during the 15th, 16th, 17th centuries, they had significant battles with a similar kind of surge from Islam, only it was actually a very militaristic surge. It was an active attempt by Islam to take over Western Europe. And they came with the areas that were known as the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So it's very interesting that Hungary was at the forefront of this recent phenomenon. And certain battles were fought and Islam was repelled from taking over Christian Europe. However, this seems to be happening again only in another way. And we have to look at this seriously. We have to understand this. Now, We are not in any way saying, as you hear Giuliani even saying, we're not talking about every single person who is of the Muslim faith, that they are terrorists or that they have any kind of malintent. Many, many of them, of course, are very, very, very good people. But we're talking about a phenomenon that we can look at historically, a phenomenon about the nature of Islam itself, about its creed, about its beliefs, about its intentions, even its origins. You know, we have to remember truthfully speaking, that Islam is basically a Christian heresy. I know that that's a hard term, but it is. It's a denial of the divinity of Christ, and the denial of God is Trinity. Now, that's very, very significant, because in our faith, and in fact, in truth, in life, all good things, all things flow from having the correct understanding of who God is, as he has revealed himself as Trinity, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and how he has revealed himself in the flesh, how he's incarnated himself among us, took on our own nature, and therefore divinized that nature. It's very, very important to start from those realities, because from that, everything else flows. And this is why in the history of the church, especially in the Eastern churches, they were so adamant with all the councils that occurred and all the battles against the heretical ideas, they were so adamant about getting these things right. The God who is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he has revealed himself as such, and he has incarnated himself among us so as to elevate our nature to its original destiny. He mounted our very nature on the very throne of heaven with him. And this happened through his death, resurrection, and ascension. It is very important to start from that point. What does not start from that point eventually becomes problematic. And in this way, we're speaking about truth. We're not trying to speak against individual persons. Persons of all kinds of religions and faiths oftentimes, of course, have very, very good will. They're very devout. In fact, Juliana, I often wish that many Christians had the kind of zeal and devotion that many Muslims have for their faith. It's very much like St. Paul. St. Paul had a great fervor for his faith that it was misguided. So Jesus Christ came along and turned him 180 degrees. (laughs) He kept that same faith, that same fervor. Wouldn't it be great to see that same fervor among more Christians? And Boy, would I rejoice in the day when those fervent Muslims were to become Christian. So we're not talking about individual persons, but we are talking about as a point of fact, as a reality, the reality of God, of faith, about the different faiths and their implications. And in this case, we're talking about the refugees streaming into Christian Europe, most of whom are, of course, Muslim. There are immense, immense implications for this. Another reason why there is, is because, as Juliana talked about earlier, Western civilization 
made a grave, grave mistake. It thumbed its nose at the wisdom, the prophetic wisdom of the church, especially in the area of natural family planning, of birth, of life. Western civilization bought the lie of overpopulation, embraced materialism, and then went down the path of the contraceptive worldview. As a result, Western civilization is mathematically, as a fact, committing demographic suicide. Western civilization is physically disappearing. Europe needs immigrants to replenish its population, and most of those immigrants are of the Muslim faith. Now, this is going to have tremendous implications for Europe, for the whole world, and even for America. So, Juliana, what are some of the other implications, some of the other things that are happening in this, related to this whole phenomenon? Uh, if we focus on the Assyrian Christian plight, there are two major events that are happening right now, two major efforts. One is uh, extraction, evacuation. So there are families that are being actually airlifted out of Aleppo and placed in countries like Poland. Uh, there were 60 families that had been flown into Warsaw and really left there. There is a couple of organizations that are taking care of them. But uh, And the other ones are being airlifted out of Erbil, about 20 families or so this being placed. This is all in, in Syria? Uh, Aleppo is in Syria. Okay. And Erbil is in northern Iraq. Thank you for that. I'm sorry about that. Uh, and there are about 20 families that are going to be taken out of Erbil uh, this, this month, actually, in hmm. September, placed somewhere in Mexico. You know, if we look at it from a humanitarian standpoint, yes, that's very noble. But if you look at it from a historical ethnic perspective, these good-hearted, loving people that are engaging in this effort, they're directly getting involved with genocide aspect of this. Genocide is not only killing people, it is uprooting and displacing people. And my question to these individuals who are participating in this was, how will you help these communities thrive and remain as Assyrian Christians in places that there aren't any Assyrians, like in Mexico, in the city that I'm not able to disclose where they're being placed, or in Warsaw, there aren't mm -hmm. many Assyrians there. And they didn't have any idea. Hmm. When I talked about the church treasures, these people were taking, were very proud emptying Aleppo and Syria from Christians. And when I asked, well, the churches are going to be empty then, they said, yes, we're saving lives. And I said, what about the church treasures? How are you saving those manuscripts that monks had written for so long? And so this is why the Iraqi Christian Relief Council is on the forefront of really helping preserve our heritage, our culture, which is 7,000 years old. The other effort, which is, I think, more important, is the restore and return. It is extremely critical for people to come and become our partners. The Iraqi Christian Relief Council, in conjunction with an organization called the Philos Project, mm -hmm. P-H-I-L-O-S, Philos Project, we're working together on this strategy to help these people restore, get educated, stand on their feet here in the West as they come here. But at the same time, we're working on having plans to collaborate with world powers and politicians, mm -hmm. because we know ISIS is not going to last forever. We have to have a plan post-ISIS to take yes. these people back. We cannot empty the Middle East from Christians. Right. Uh, just like we cannot empty the Middle East from moderates, if there is such mm -hmm. thing as moderates. A friend of mine said there is either good Muslims or bad Muslims. Good Muslims are the ones that are devoted and they follow mm -hmm. Sharia law. And there's the other ones that don't follow the Sharia law. In fact, on a plane, I was with a young Muslim who, when I said, you moderate Muslims, you're, you good Muslims, why don't you stick your neck out and def mm -hmm. you know, condemn these acts? He said, don't ever call us moderate Muslims. There's no such thing. There is either Muslims or 
not practicing Muslims. So that was mm. interesting coming from a Muslim himself, yes. a devoted Muslim. But at any rate, Philos Project and Iraqi Christian Relief Council are actively working on mm. restore and return. And the aid, aid, Father Tom, is so crucial. Mm. You know, there is an epidemic that has been, that I'm noticing. There's so many kids dying of leukemia. Really? I, I just don't understand it. I'm going to have to start talking to doctors and see why this is happening. There's so many kids that are coming to America that have leukemia. There's so many kids in Jordan that I visited that have leukemia. It's children, children mm. under the age 10. And we are funding these chemotherapy sessions for them in Jordan. And it's backbreaking. And this is why we need help. We help them with rent. We help them with food. We help them there with basic necessities and medicine. And now specifically with chemotherapy. So I'm really looking for partners to visit our website at victimsofisis.org, victimsofisis.org. We need a lot of help. We really do. Victimsofisis.org. Yes. That's your, now, do you have a, another website? Or, no, it's or, the same. It leads same. to the same. So iraqichristianrelief.org mm-hmm. or victimsofisis.org. Well, this is interesting. That Again, this is not something that you're going to hear on the daily news, you yes. know, that these children are coming from leukemia. Boy, that's a real phenomenon. Uh, you know, it's something that maybe is uh, as a result of whatever's going on over there, perhaps, you know, all the war and the chemicals or whatnot, you know, my Lord, who knows what, you know. But anyway, people need help. And this is what you do. And once again, Juliana, where are these sites people can go to to help? IraqiChristianRelief.org or VictimsOfIsis.org. Last year, we were able to help 140,000 people in three months. This year, we've expanded not only in Iraq, but in Syria, Jordan, and we're starting in Lebanon as well. And the help goes directly there. It's not a big bureaucracy. It's it's very hands-on, and uh, we really appreciate that. And Juliana, God bless you and your work, and we hope to hear from you again as a good friend here on thank Light you. of the East. I want to thank everyone else for being with us and listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Willcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!